stomach will be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth and from the produce of his lips he will be filled death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit we've seen these verses before just want to remind us the bible says a man's stomach your innermost being so your stomach is not just your physical organ but your innermost being like jesus said out of your belly will flow so it's not talking about your physical belly it's talking about your inner being your spirit a man's inner being is affected or will be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth what is the fruit of your mouth it's your words your words affect your inner person so when you speak words of courage words of hope words of faith that's the kind of thing that you're going to build in your inner person but when you speak words of failure and loss and defeat and giving up that's the kind of thing you're going to build into your inner in a person in every situation you have a choice you can uh speak defeat let's say things are going wrong things are going bad i'm not saying we deny it you recognize that things are going difficult and things are not going the way you want them to go you recognize it but yet in the middle of it you can always say god is the strength of my life or you can always say i can do all things through christ who strengthens me you can always say god is my helper and i will not fear what man will do to me you might be facing a lot of intimidation facing a lot of opposition you're not denying that but you're speaking what god says because you know that your words affect your inner person and in continuing that same thought in verse 21 he says death and life are in the power of the tongue your future is affected by your words what's outside you what happens to you is also affected by your words what happens in you is influenced by your words what happens around you is also influenced by your words death and life are in the power of the tongue and if you will watch over it if you love your words he says you will eat the fruit of it you will get the benefit of speaking right so i want to encourage us to continue to speak words of faith I'm not saying be, deny what's around you. you. You know that this is what is happening. You have pain in your body. You're sick. You know that's what it is. But at the same time, you know you can say, "The Lord is my healer," and you choose to speak more of that. You choose to say, "By His stripes I'm healed." You choose to say, "He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases." You choose to do that. because you know it's going to affect you on the inside and it's going to affect what's around you. Amen. So let's stand to our feet this morning as we make our declaration. I want you to hold your Bible high up in the air and say this out loud with me. This is God's word. Um this is the 52nd Sunday of the year, the last Sunday and we have few more days to go before we step into the new year. So if you want to describe in one word this year, you know what would it be? Can you just shout out sorry sorry okay incredible awesome excellent sorry 
Okay, challenging, yes. Disastrous. Now the truth is coming out. <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, 2009 uh, uh, has been a difficult year, right? Uh, I was actually driving and I was talking to uh, someone. Um, both of us were going from one place to another. And then, um, you know, he, I asked him, I, I told him, can you believe it? Uh, you know, we're already in October. And, uh, you know, pretty soon, you know, we're going to finish this year and we're going to go to the new year. It seems only like, it seems like yesterday when we were at the New Year Eve service and, you know, hearing the word of the Lord and so on. And he said, you know, you know, Jakes, I wish this year would uh, get over fast. You know, I wish, I, I, just, I just don't want to remember this year. It's been a, it's been a tough year. It's been a difficult year. And um, you know, while we thank God for this uh, year, which is a slice of time you know, on this side of eternity. And uh, we look back and we thank God for all the blessings that he's given us. We look back and thank him for all the breakthroughs that he's given us, uh, for all the you know, trials and uh, snares that he's taken us through. You know, his grace has been amazing. Um, it's also, uh, you know, you can't uh, refute the fact that it's been, it's been a tough year. It's been a difficult year. You know, economically, it's been a difficult year. You know, if you have your own business and, or if you're working elsewhere, you know that it's been a difficult year. And um, now as I was preparing to share, uh, you know, for this uh, Sunday service, and I was just asking the Lord, Lord, what is it uh, that you want me to share? What is it that you want me to share? And I was, um, I was kind of surprised and challenged by the, by the impression that I got. And I struggled with it for some time. You know, because the Lord took me to uh, uh, Revelation, the last book, and uh, he started to talk to me about the different churches. And each church had this unique uh, set of problems, and, uh, uh, and if you know, you know, you see the loveless church, which is Ephesus, the persecuted church, which is uh, Smyrna, and the compromising church, which is Pergamos, the corrupt church, Thyatira, the dead church, Sardis, the faithful church, Philadelphia, and the lukewarm church, Laodicea. And I'm asking the Lord, Lord, what is it, you know, what is the message for our church? What is it? And uh, I was kind of surprised. He said, you know, um, this is a message for the hurting church. And uh, I was very, uh, I was struggling with it. You know, how can I, uh, you know, make such a presumptuous statement and say, you know, hurting church? But then the Lord again took me, and this impression kept growing and growing, and, and uh, I couldn't shake it off. And, uh, you know, and that's the Lord reminding us, you know, take this message to the hurting church. You know, when you look back uh, on 2009, I'm sure that for some of us, it's been like a minefield. January, boom, you know, February, okay, and then March, you step on it, and then this explosion. And you go back and you, we look, we're standing at December 27th and we're looking back and, and we see, oh man, look at those pieces, look at those explosions that, you know, I came through. And there's a, you know, kind of underlying uh, sadness, which is like a low-grade fever. Now, pain is good. We know that, uh, you know, there are positives about pain. We know that uh, uh, at least something's wrong. And we know that... Uh, uh, because of pain, you know that you're alive. But it's not a very enjoyable thing. 
as we go through pain. And this message is actually for the hurting church. You know, please don't get me wrong. You know, that's not our identity, right? As a church, we are a prophetic church. We are called to hear from God and speak out the words of God. We are the prototype church in the city. Now, that's our DNA. And we are an apostolic, you know, sending out base. We are called to train and equip and commission people. You know, that's our DNA. That's our identity. But yet, in this phase, in this season, you know, we've been through some pain. And the Lord wants us to overcome, to face, to receive His healing and step into the fullness of what He has for us. Step into the fullness. Step into the primary calling. Step into our destinies. Amen. We, we learn from this pain. We, we deal with it. But then we receive the comfort of the Lord and we move on. The Lord wants us to do that. And so here is a message you know, for the hurting church. And before we even get into that, you know, I just want to uh, tell us, refresh our memories about who God is. You know, because of the hurt, because of the pain, uh, because of uh, you know, some of the stuff that happens to us or happened to us this year. You know, it kind of shapes uh, or distorts the picture of who God is. Changes the picture of who God is. And uh, we're just going to look at uh, some verses in the, in the Old Testament and some scripture in the New Testament and, and really see God describing himself, right? God describing himself and saying, Jakes, this is who I am. This is who I am. This is what I can do. And this is what I promised and this is what I will do in the days to come. God describing himself. You know, we know that he's the righteous judge, that he's a soon and coming king. And he is also a loving father. He's also a compassionate, loving, heavenly father. He feels our pain. As a father, you know, quite recently my daughter was having this bout of cough and cold and so on. And, you know, I felt that pain. Even though I was fine, but I felt that pain. You know, I, I couldn't just sit and, you know, listen to that constant cough. I felt that pain. And he's a heavenly father and he feels pain. He's a compassionate father. He feels the pain. And this is what he says. So if you have your Bibles handy, you know, uh, we're just going to look at several verses, please. Let's turn to Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. And uh, uh, chapter Isaiah chapter 40, and uh, we're just going to keep going one verse after the other. And, and I believe that, you know, even as you receive his word, the Holy Spirit is going to make it real to each one of us. He's going to write his word upon our hearts. And uh, there are very different, you know, many different needs in this, in this room, in this auditorium. Right? Different needs, different challenges. But I believe that the word of God is the answer. Right? Even as we go through these scriptures, even as God describes himself, you know, he is the answer. He is the answer. He is the solution. So let's look at Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28, uh, 29, 30, 31. It says, Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, 
and the young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The next chapter, Isaiah 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Verse 13. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. Chapter 42, verse 8. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. Chapter 43, verses 11 and 12. I, even I, am the Lord, and besides me, There is no savior. I have declared and saved. I have proclaimed. And there was no foreign God among you. Therefore you are my witnesses, says the Lord, that I am God. Let's look at uh, chapter 46 and verse 4. Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 4. Even to your old age, I am he. And even to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. Even I will carry and will deliver you. Chapter 48 and verse 17. Sorry, verse uh, yeah, 17. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. Chapter 49 and verse 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? No, the obvious answer is uh, no. It's highly unlikely. And he goes on to say, Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. And then he goes on to, we go on to, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15 where Jesus is described as the very image of the invisible God. And he describes himself and he introduces himself and he's with these great I am statements. And he says, I am the bread of life. John chapter 6 verse 35. I am the light of the world. And John chapter 10 and verse 10 and we know that scripture. You know, I have come that you might have life and life in all its fullness. The enemy comes to steal, the enemy comes to kill, the enemy comes to destroy. He says, I have come that you might have life and life in all its fullness. And the next verse, verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. And we have the picture of the good shepherd in Psalms uh, 23, where the good shepherd takes you by the green pastures. He makes you lie down in green pastures. He takes you by the still waters. And he restores your soul. Now that's the good shepherd. He not only feeds, he not only makes sure you rest, but he restores your soul. And we're talking about emotions. We're talking about things and thoughts and imaginations. He's the one who restores those damaged emotions. He's the one who restores that, you know, those emotions, those imaginations. He restores it. And, uh, 
you know, pain happens. Uh, there are various reasons why, you know, we feel pain. Some of it is self-inflicted, let's face it. You know, we made those choices. We made those, uh, you know, foolish choices. We made those decisions. And we're fa facing the consequences of it. But nevertheless, you, know, you feel pain. It's real. You can't just wish it away. And secondly, maybe someone else inflicted that pain, either knowingly or un unknowingly, some kind of abuse maybe. And you feel that pain. And you're carrying that pain. Someone else afflicted it. But still, you know, you feel that pain. And thirdly, pain, you know, interestingly comes, uh, you know, when we are in the process of change. Right? When you're in the process of change. When we go through change, there is some kind of discomfort. There is some kind of pain. And especially, you know, as we are going through this breakthrough into destiny. As we are preparing ourselves to break through into destiny. And we have, as we step into our destinies, you know, there is that pain. There is that discomfort. There is that pain. And lastly, pain could be because someone else is hurting. We are a family and we feel pain when another person in the family is hurting. You know, personally, uh, for me, this year has been, uh, it's been a great year where, uh, you know, where I, I believe that I've stepped into uh, the, the primary, the fullness of the call that God had planned. But also, it was a year of pain where, I, you know, where we saw a couple of marriages in our own families crumbling. It was a year, it was a year of sadness. It's been a year of pain. And uh, so pain happens because of all these reasons. It could be self-inflicted. It could be inflicted by others. It could be because of change. It could be because of maybe disappointments, unmet expectations. And it could be also because someone close to you, someone whom you love and who's dear to you, is suffering, is undergoing that pain, and you can't just ignore. But uh, the important thing is this. You know, we can't control the other factors, right? Of course, we can control our decisions, our actions, and we can't control the other factors. But there's one thing that we can control, which is our response to that pain. Amen. That's in our hands, our response to, to the pain that we face. And, uh, you know, it's something very, very important because if we don't respond in the right way, you know, we could be moving far away from God. The way I respond to this pain, you know, it's going to determine whether I move closer to God, whether I run towards God, or I pull away and run away from God. So we're going to look at some responses uh, to pain. The first one is we hide and insulate ourselves, isolate ourselves. The first response is we hide ourselves. Hey, I've been hurt. I don't want anything to do with you. Please leave me alone. You know, that's a response to pain. Uh, for example, if you've fallen down and if you, let's say you hurt your knee, you scraped your knee on the floor, and you're in a crowded place and somebody bumps into you again, you know, there's this fresh surge of pain. And the next time you're very careful, right? You put your hand around it, you're, you're careful, you, don't want, you want to avoid the furniture. You're very careful. So you try to isolate, insulate yourself from that pain or the source of pain. And uh, the sad part is this, that we isolate ourselves from God, the one 
who can bring relief, the balm of Gilead, who can restore our soul, who can bring relief to that pain, who can change that situation. So many times we isolate ourselves from him. We say, God, I can't believe this happened. I don't want anything to do with you. Forget church. Forget fellowship. God's servants, God's people, all humbug. I'm going through this pain. Nobody understands. But the fact is that God understands and he's the one who can comfort us in all our tribulations. Amen. So, we try and isolate ourselves. And uh, let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4. 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 4. And Paul writes and he says, you know, who comforts? He's talking about God. Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Verse 3. That's how he describes God. God of all comfort. And verse 4. Who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So this is what God wants to do. He wants, he's the God of all comfort. He's our shelter. He's our tower of refuge and strength. So this morning, you know, if there is pain, you know, let's not isolate ourselves from God. Let's not run away from people of God. But let's go to God and say, God, you are the God of all comfort. I've come to you to be comforted. And God always turns around and uses us, even as we receive that comfort, to be comforters to others. Amen? Amen. And second reason, and second response is, you know, this especially happens when we, uh, when we kind of undergo some kind of change and there's discomfort and there's pain. We start grumbling and complaining. We start grumbling and complaining about everything around us. But deep inside there is pain. And that's the reason we're doing, oh, this is not right. Oh, the decoration, you know, that angle is, you know, is a bit off. Hey, this color is a little, you know, darker than that. It's, it, you might say it's coordinated. I don't think so. You know, you grumble and complain and about everything that you see around. You grumble and complain to God. God, why are you like this? And we see this in Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. The Israelites are there. The sea is there right in front. And there are mountains all around. There are Egyptians who are uh, coming after them in hot pursuit. And uh, they are at the brink. Actually, if you see, they are at the brink of a breakthrough. They are about to step in and go. They are on the brink of a breakthrough. But in the brink of it, in the process of that change, in the process of that breakthrough, out comes all this grumbling and complaining. And this is what happens, uh, Exodus chapter 14 and verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt? No, they're saying, Moses, didn't we tell you? Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Then Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see, today you shall again, 
you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. So many times we on the brink, at the brink of the miraculous, at the brink of the breakthrough. You know, we hold back and we, we grumble and we complain to God and saying, God, what is this? Why is it like this, God? Let's not do that. The third kind of response is, you know, we escape to the past. Oh, those were the good old days. Those were the good old days. You know, so many times I used to do that, you know. Those, those good old days when there was so much time. There was time to sit and listen to music. There was time to, you know, just listen to music. Not do anything else. Just sit and listen to music. Not drive and listen to music. Just sit and listen to music. <laughs> you know, those were the good old days. Oh, where are the good old days gone? Why are people changing like this? You know, those were the good old days when, you know, we as a church were 60 people. We knew each other by name. Now nobody knows me. I don't know. Those were the good old days. You know, we just go back to those good old days. But somebody said, you know, he said, hey, these are the good old days. You know, these are the good old days. And we just lock ourselves in prisons of the past and uh, wallow in self-pity. Let's not do that. You know, uh, the Lord really uh, spoke to me through this verse, Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 10. Um, Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 10. Do not say, why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. We have the presence of God. We have the word of God. And God has promised that he will take us through. God has promised that he will go before us. That he is Emmanuel. God with us. Now let's not lock ourselves in prisons of the past and say, those days, those good old days, they're not coming back. They're not coming back. These are the good old days. Amen. He's a God of the present and he's a God of the future and he's taking us through. And the fourth kind of response is we lash out in anger and violent, become violent. We lash out in anger. There's so much pain. We feel uncomfortable. We don't know what to do. We feel helpless and we lash out in anger. And most often, the people who suffer are the ones who are close to us, the ones who are dear to us, our loved ones. We lash out in anger. And the Word of God says that the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. We move ourselves away from paths of righteousness every time we respond or react that way. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Let every man be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to wrath. Amen. And another reason, reason number five, sorry, a response number five is bitterness and unforgiveness. Bitterness and unforgiveness. We become so hard, so bitter on the inside, and there's so much unforgiveness. We are angry with God. We are bitter with God. We are bitter with people around us. So much of bitterness. You know, recently, uh, an electrician came. We, we were just fixing some switches in our house. And he, he was asking for, so do you have this very quick? I said, yeah, we have some. Um, so I had bought some some days back. And I bought it and I gave it to him. And, said, 
and he opened it and it was all you know it has been exposed for some time and it was all hard unusable and it happens every time you know you take a, uh, a dab of uh, adhesive some fevicol or something you keep it aside for some time you don't use it, it becomes so hard and that happens to us when we are so bitter we become unproductive we are not able to fulfill the purpose for which we were created you know we're not able to function the way we are called we are supposed to function the way we are wired to function we become so hard on the inside um you know i just want to put uh, steve on the spot today uh, i'm so sorry steve <laughs> but uh, you know steve uh, most of us know pastor steve and benny and uh, you know i just want to share some of us are new here um he was actually uh, he was into racing and uh, i think rallying in a big way motorbike racing and uh, and this one incident happened when he was uti uh, or kodesti kodekanal and he was a navigator someone else was riding the bike and they had an accident they fell down steve bled profusely gangrene set in they couldn't help uh, bring help at the right time and they had to amputate his uh, right leg below the knee now steve uh, had every reason to be bitter with the circumstance he had every reason to be bitter with god but i was challenged i was amazed to know that he came to know god after that he gave himself for ministry after that he gave himself for the calling of god for theological studies and so on after that Now we need to run to god because if we stay away from god we will become bitter unknowingly we will become bitter we will become cynical and like you see that onion there'll be so so many layers formed on top of us that freshness is not there anymore and you're wondering hey i'm not excited about god i'm not able to worship god it's because you know we become bitter in certain areas and uh and recently you know i had a deep theological conversation with my daughter she's all of uh, full of 7 years old uh, is going to be 8 and i was talking to her and um, she was you know something about christians non christians and then she said you know uh, uh, that it's uh, only christians who go to heaven and then i said you know ruth uh, you know not all christians who call themselves christians are you know will go to heaven because you need to receive the lord as your savior you need to be a believer she said yeah, yeah yeah i know that and then uh, i asked her you know ruth uh, you know have you invited jesus into your life have you received the lord and she said yeah i have and i asked her when did this happen you know she's in second standard and she said uh, you know when i was in prep when uh, uh, uncle steve came to school uh, steve go to clarence coast to clarence every friday um so <coughs> she said uh, uncle steve came to clarence and uh, at the end of the story he gave an invitation and uh, i i received the lord i i invited him into my heart and you know we so um, grateful that uh, that steve didn't respond to the pain in a better way. Amen. 
the fact that he chose to bloom, the fact that he chose to run to God, ensured that somebody's life could be spent in eternity, in heaven. It ensured that a family could stay together. I think, let's give him a big hand. So, <laughs> hmm. Steve, you know, we are uh, so grateful um, for what you've been doing, Steve. It's been such a blessing. And, uh, it's, it's, and it's been a challenge uh, because he lives with pain, I know that. But the way he responds to it is amazing. So can we draw near to God this morning and say, God, you know, pain, I'm going through pain. You know, these are the various reasons, God. You know, I made this choice or somebody did this. Uh, or maybe it's pain because of this process of in, getting into a breakthrough, this process of change. Maybe it's pain because of, you know, whatever it could be. If you're pa- feeling pain, if you're going through that process of pain, can you come to God and say, God, you know, this is what I'm going through. You know, just take that mask off and get real with God. Get real with God and say, God, this is what I'm going through. It's terrible, God. But God, I know that you are the God of all comfort. You are the God of all comfort. And God, I'm asking you to help me deal with this. I'm asking you to pour out your love into my heart. I'm asking you to keep my spirit fresh and flourishing, God. So that I can be a blessing, so that I can bloom. It's time to gird up the loins of our minds and be sober and rest our hope fully upon the Lord. It's time to take action. I just want to leave with us three things, three action points this morning. Everybody say, it is time. Amen. It is time to forgive and reconcile. Amen. It's time to forgive and reconcile. Maybe it's your spouse who has hurt you. Maybe it's your you know, parents. Maybe it's your best friend. Maybe it's your boss or colleague. Or whoever it would be. You know, it's time to forgive the way the Lord Jesus forgave. While we were yet sinners, he died on the cross. While we were yet sinners, he died on the cross. It's time to forgive and reconcile. It's time to forgive and reconcile. And so many times it's easy to forgive others. And it's very difficult to forgive ourselves. It's time to forgive ourselves this morning. You know, it's time to forgive ourselves this morning. Maybe you've made a wrong choice. It's okay. Maybe you've made a list of wrong choices. But come to God. You know, who are you to hold that grudge against yourself when He has blotted out your transgressions as far as east is from the west? Who are you to stand before God and say, I will hold this grudge when he has forgiven you? When he doesn't hold it anymore. You go to God and say, God, you remember this sin or remember this choice that I made? God, I'm so sorry. And he says, when did you do it? I forgave and I forgot about it. It's time to move on. It's time to take action. It's time to forgive and reconcile. Secondly, it's time 
to live life on his terms. Amen. It's time to live life on his terms. You know, recently I was just talking to, uh, you know, one person and, and God, as I was talking, you know, it's very strange and God gave this impression and said, you know, tell her that she has to, she needs to put all the eggs in one basket. Tell her that she needs to put all the eggs in one basket. The Lord was talking about commitment. No other support system. No other support system. No Reiki, yoga, and you know, no other support system. It's time to put all the eggs in one basket and come to God and say, God, I'm committed. It's time to live life on his terms. You know, um, I, I like this quote by Ravi Zak. You know, he says something like this. An unbeliever, a person who doesn't know the Lord, he knows the ways of God, but he does the opposite of it. He goes away from God. But a believer, he does his own thing and makes it look like God's way. You know, Ravi Zak says that. And uh, it's so true. We, it's time to take off the mask again and to live life on his terms. If he says, don't do it, don't do it. If he says, do it, do it. You know, because we are his purchased possessions. I'd like us to turn to 1 Corinthians 6, please. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20. It says, uh, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So God is saying, hey, you belong to me. You know, you go to a, uh, you go to a shop. Suppose I go to a shop and I buy this shirt. You know, it belongs to me. I've paid the price. I've got the shirt. It is my possession. It's mine. And that's what the Lord is saying. The price has been paid. You belong to Jesus. Now the shopkeeper cannot come and tell me, uh, boss, on Saturdays, you know, I will bring my watch and put it in your pocket. You carry it around. Sundays I will take it out. This pocket belongs to me on Saturdays. No. You know, it's absurd. But yet, so many times we do that with our own lives. Satan comes and dumps a few things in our pockets, mostly weekends in Bangalore. <laughs> but sometimes it's, it could be, you know, other days. It could be other things like unforgiveness. It could be bitterness. It could be, you know, memories of the past. And, it'll, he, and he, he, might, he might even give you, a, you know, a big duffel bag and have a sack and say, you know, you carry this around for a few days. I'll come and take it back if I can. And we carry it around, not realizing that we are his purchased possessions, that we belong to Jesus. The price has been paid. We belong to him. Spirit, soul, and body, 24-7, 365 days a year. We belong to him from eternity to eternity. We are his purchased possessions. So it's time to live life on his terms. And also, thirdly, it's time to run the race with endurance. It's time to run the race with endurance. Hebrews 12 and uh, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews 12. The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
I'd like us to focus on verse 1 and this phrase, let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every weight because weights are going to slow us down. It's like running a 100 meters dash with, with two dumbbells in a sack, carrying two dumbbells. It's going to slow us down. It's going to, you know, delay us stepping into the purposes of God. It's going to delay us stepping into the fullness of His call. Amen? So let us lay aside every weight that so, and also the sin which so easily ensnares us and allow the Lord to replace that pain with a supernatural joy. You know, there are three people... Uh, Habakkuk and Joseph and Abraham, uh, which continually challenge us. Let's turn to Habakkuk, the last chapter, and uh, verses 17 and 18 and 19. It says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, Though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Not that I have already attained or I am already perfected, but I press on. Now everybody say, I press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not Count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I know, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the price of of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on. And one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Now it's time for us to do that. Forgetting those things which are behind. It's time to reach forward. Things which are ahead. And step into the fullness of the call that God has for us. And this morning, you know, I just want us to, uh, I'd like us to just open your hearts to God. Let the Holy Spirit give you a hug this morning. You know, this funny incident happened. Uh, we were just coming back from uh, our vacation. And uh, me and my brother, we don't really display our affections publicly very well. It's, it's a tough love. So uh, the, the least, the most that we do is uh, we shake hands, you know. And so uh, we were just getting into the uh, car to come back. And, uh, you know, I shook, I shook hands with my brother. And Aati always needle, my wife always needles me and says, you know, why don't you give him a hug? You know, you guys, you need to hug. And, and then uh, my daughter Ruth said, you know, men don't hug. <laughs> you know, she's heard me say that, you know, in a jokingly way. And uh, she said, men don't hug. You know, and some of us are like that saying, hey, I don't need all this comfort and all this, you know, all this affection and all that. But then the Lord wants to lavish his love upon you this morning. He wants to comfort you because he is the God of all comfort. He can't change. You know, he, he's, he's being true to his nature. And he's saying, hey, I'm the God of all comfort. Would you let me comfort you? Would you let me lavish my love upon you? Would you let me heal that pain? that you've been carrying, that ache that you've been carrying for so long, so that you can set aside that weight and step into the fullness of what I have for you, what I have for your family. Amen. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. 
you can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.